So today we're talking about acceptance versus resignation. And I think they're oftentimes confused as the same thing whenever resignation is a more negatively connotated thing. Um, so yeah, if, you, if, you, if you feel a certain way and you don't want to be feeling it, but you still are like, oh, well, I'm depressed today, so I'm just going to feel it. It's basically how you judge your emotions or have feelings about your feelings. Um, whereas acceptance is just feeling it and accepting that you're going to feel it without any judgment attached to it. It's like, oh, I feel depressed today. But not having any resistance to it or feeling negatively towards it. It's just like this is a feeling that that I'm going that I'm going to experience, and it isn't necessarily um, bad or good. I think that experience of uh, feeling feeling your feelings just to feel them, and uh, being in that area of I think it can be uh, an uncertain plane because sometimes you feel a little weird about the way that you feel about things. Um, I think we might get into that a little bit later as well. But well, I mean, I think most people, whenever they feel depressed, like they they feel that it's an inherently a negative emotion to feel whenever it really isn't in reality. Yeah, and you can get really very much into like hating yourself and maybe hating other people. And it's the same thing. It's like if you get broken up with and it wasn't a, it wasn't a mutual thing, like you get your heart broken, you didn't want to break up with the person. Um, if you, you know, just resign from the whole thing, like resignation and a, in the situation of a breakup would look like, oh, well, she doesn't love me and there's nothing I can do about that. And I wish it was different. But and it's just kind of like, you know, feeling sorry for yourself and just isolating yourself from everybody. It's like that's resignation. But acceptance is like, you know, really coming to terms with it for what it is um, and truly moving on, like but not having resistance to the, to the situation. You can still feel upset, but really accepting the emotions that it makes you feel and feeling them without resistance. Because, you know, like that, that whole period of time whenever you're like, you know, in denial, basically, and you are trying to not experience the emotions that it makes you feel because they're so, you know, hard to feel. I think uh, there comes a time when you have accepted those feelings within yourself and uh, you move on to, to better understand uh, your emotions and the other parts of your life. And I think that can lead on to um, a certain kind of life resignation, whether it be if you're going to school or work. Um, I think with many things in our modern lives, we, we do have to just resign ourselves to um, accepting that those things are going to be there and we have to work the job to get money. We have to, um, you know, buy food to get nutrients and sustenance. And that can lead, I think, to definitely kind of like fight club, you know, when he's in the office and he's like, kind of like hates his life. I think it can lead to 
strong feelings of mundane um, existence. Well, yeah, I mean, and I think the whole thing about resignation is having ideas in the first place about how you are supposed to be feeling or whether a an, an emotion or an experience is one one emotion or experience is better than another and then if you end up feeling or experiencing the one that you don't think you should be feeling then you are just going to be i guess under the impression that you're trapped in this emotion and having an having a resistance to it is going to in the grand scheme of things it's going to make you probably experience it for longer since you're, you're having a resistance to it and you're going to try to not have that emotion. I think you'll be at a loss because you just don't feel like you know what's the right path to take. And uh... <clears throat> Well, we, we've talked about, you know, being in this period of stagnation or feeling like you hit a plateau. It's like you go... You go a while, kind of having a, a, kind of having a plan in your head of what you're doing, uh, knowing that you're doing specific things to lead yourself to, uh, to your goal. You know, and you feel good about it. You feel like you're making progress. But say you reach a period of time whenever you feel like you're, you've hit a plateau and you're just sort of stagnating. You're not really making any any true growth in your life. And I think I've experienced this recently. And the whole thing about feeling like you're stagnating in your life is it stems from having ideas of what you should be doing and not feeling like you're doing enough whenever, you know, all you can do is just accept your emotions and, and feel them. And I mean, that's not just like, that doesn't necessarily mean that you should give up and, and not do anything because obviously that's not what you should do. But I think the whole, the whole idea here is feeling like you should be, um, you should be feeling something else or having ideas of well, it reminds me of uh, of my family, particularly with my, my parents, my dad. Um, we've always kind of joked, and people point out that he's always kind of on the move and he like is looking for the next thing to do. And if he has a, you know, he has like a jittery, jittery nature, and he always wants to be working on something or or be on time to the thing that you got to get to, and everybody's ready, and you got to get in the car and you got to go. But my mum is like, you know, much more laid back and maybe late to things and uh, much more emotional and like accepting and uh, and open and uh, compassionate and, and asks about how other people feel. And I think I'm a little bit in the middle of, of those uh, having, having learned from them both and I feel like... Uh, Coming to a point in your life where you aren't maybe doing that much, um, just because you're in the you're in the routine and it does feel mundane. I think uh, 
for some people that can be frustrating because they want to feel something more, maybe excitement, and they want to be looking forward to things, which isn't a bad thing. But uh, I think that sense of uh, normalcy that's found in day-to-day homeostasis of the mind and your life, uh, that is what is natural uh, for us as beings. Yeah, and I mean, just accepting accepting the normalcy and accepting the emotions that you experience uh, within your routine, I mean, I feel like that is healthy because I, a lot of us have expectations of how you should feel, and we get excited about things that might shake things up a little bit. And then those expectations that we set, whenever they're not met, we are... We are faced with disappointment and I guess it just, it leads to us thinking, oh, well, I thought if I did this, then it would lead to this. And now I guess I'll just have to, you know, stop trying. And that's resignation. You know, I feel like acceptance is just having light expectations because if there's no expectations at all then you you're never working towards anything you don't really have any desires that you're trying to uh, attain I guess well but I think living in America especially um, there's a large sense uh, that people feel or, or people maybe think that Many people are told, you know, uh, from from childhood, maybe the more recent generations, oh, you can do anything, you can go anywhere, be anyone. Um, but there's also the large kind of understanding that uh, due to our economy and the way that capitalism works, that uh, no matter how hard you try at something, you might just not be the right one that they pick for the job, or you might not be good enough, or you might not be smart enough. Um I think that in itself can be a good thing because that can help you realize that oh maybe I do actually enjoy this other thing more and I want to do that instead. But we live in a we live in a strange time where um, well there are many options for people uh, depending on your social standing. Uh, you will still. Uh, maybe find yourself at some point in life just uh, maybe not enjoying where you went or maybe not enjoying the the march to where you think you're trying to go. I think the thing about acceptance, though, is like if you're aware of, you know, what you are desiring, what you're wanting, um, and you know that you tried your hardest to achieve that, you did everything that you could do, Say you interview for that job that you wanted and you did everything that you could have done and you feel proud of your efforts and say you still don't get the job. You know, acceptance of the fact that you did do everything that you could do, but, you know, you just didn't get the job this time around because there were either more qualified applicants or they didn't see the potential in you. I mean, whatever the case was, you know, accepting everything 
surrounding the situation, you know, knowing the truths and then truly accepting it and moving on. It's different from, you know, having resistance to the situation. Like, oh, oh I should have gotten the job and feeling upset about it and making up, making up truths and then just giving up and, you know, not going for any jobs at all in the future because you're so affected by losing the first job or like not getting it, you know, that's resignation. I think acceptance and resignation are kind of a crossroads, but also steps within an order at the same time, because, you know, in that situation, you might easily resign yourself and say, I'll never get a job like that. Why, why did I even try? Um, may as well just live in a ditch on the side of the road with, uh, with a big beard and a can of creamed corn for dinner, dinner every night. I mean, the difference between acceptance versus resignation, I think it's sort of difficult to to conceptualize because it's really much more simple than than you would think. It's a difficult, I think, a difficult thing to conceptualize, you know, I think. Um, but at the same time, it's like, you know, if you truly accept something, it's going to be evident in, in the way you're talking about it, your tone of voice, you know, like, say you're talking, very about, true. Say you're talking about a breakup. It's like, oh, yeah, well, she didn't want to be together. And uh, I don't know, I didn't want to break up, but, you know, it's fine. Like, uh, you know, it, it'll be all right, whatever. Like, that's sort of a tone that indicates resignation, but acceptance is like actually looking on the bright side of things and like, you know, it may not have been what you wanted and you can feel disappointment, but you're choosing to experience those emotions and accept it for what it is. And you're going to come out on the other side and you're going to be like, yeah, it's, you know, it, it happened and now I'm living my life. And I don't have any regrets. Because I, I think acceptance it has, to, it has a lot to do with regrets as well. I think accepting uh, it for what it is and, and allowing it to teach you um, more about yourself and how, what you like and, and whatnot. But also uh, another facet of accepting what it is can be accepting that in the long run, in the big picture, it's really not that... Um, big of a deal and it will be something that you'll move past and it will be something in the future that you'll reflect on and just be like darn that was kind of a rough hand but I don't really care about it anymore just because so much time has passed and I've been through other stuff past couple days I've been thinking about you know uh, we've evolved so much and and something I think about a lot, but uh, in reality, how many situations do you see in your day-to-day life or your your entire life that are actually life-threatening? And it's our um, evolved instincts that lead us to feeling life-threatened over anxiety and different things like that, when really I think uh, well, it might not be that easy in the moment, but if you like sit down and reflect upon, like, am I really in danger 
because of this thing that's happening to me or this thing that's uh, that I'm going through. And you'll find that a lot of the time, of course you're not. And uh, I, I mean, you can I, sit back and relax. Because I, I think we find danger or that we feel... Social danger yeah, is like, a very big concept. We feel like something's going wrong all the time whenever, like, you know, if we just accepted the way that we were feeling or the way things were or even if happening. It's just, then, if it's just an uncomfortable feeling about, you know, like... Uh, yeah, because if, it, if it's an uncomfortable feeling, something that we don't want to be feeling and we, we can't accept that emotion, then we're going to feel like... We're, gonna, we're going to feel danger, like something wrong is happening. We're going to try to do anything in our power to prevent ourselves from feeling that or prevent that thing from happening. It's as if you're a hunter-gatherer and you're going through the valley and you see a lion's paw print and you're like, that's not so good. But you that know? paw print could have been... Yeah. Weeks old. Yeah, it could be weeks old. That line could be dead. So it really doesn't matter that much. But you don't know. You know? You, it's like shoots and ladders. You gotta see where you're going and see what's going on. When it, yeah, it's like that, that feeling of, you know, I should be feeling something else right now. I should be doing something different. That feeling of just like, you know, I'm in danger. There, I, mean, I should I should be somewhere else right now at this point in my life. Um, I feel like that's very relevant to me as of late because I guess I figured at this point in my life, you know, doing all of the things that I have been doing for my own personal development and, you know, working really hard. I guess I always predicted or expected larger things to come from it or like more tangible things. And I, and I think, you know, whenever we're, when any, whenever any of us are working on ourselves or going to counseling, it's like you're, I think it's really natural to to picture yourself in the future as somebody, um, somebody who's just better or happier after doing whatever it was that you were doing. Or like, say you go to counseling for a year or two, you think after that year or two, you're just going to be like a, a significantly different person with with uh, differences that you can just feel, that you can see, stuff like that. But I think a lot of your your developments and, and ways that you change are sort of things that aren't always super visible. And if you if you overestimate the the visible differences, you might end up disappointed whenever you your enlightenment, so to speak, is is underwhelming. I think myself, I just look forward to doing more things that I enjoy, hopefully. Um, and if not, and or, um, being able to appreciate the smaller things more and enjoy them as well. Um, just because it, I guess right now it kind of feels like I'm, I'm doing stuff that I have to get through. Um, you know, I'm taking classes right now and some classes are just like, Man, this is this is a slog, you know. 
not enjoyable. Um, but you can still find some kind of interest within those subjects anyways. But I have other classes which are like, I find this really interesting, I want to learn more about it, you know, let's work together to try and see how these things work. Yeah, like the, the experiences that you're having intentionally, you have to look at, you know, why you value it in some sense. And with school, it's like you're choosing to be there, you know, and you're either going to find the class interesting or you're taking it for your major um, and you want to get your degree for some reason. So you know, I think it's like we've talked about before, I think it's very important to acknowledge the specific reasons as to why you are doing things unless it's something that's I guess out of your control. Well a big thing is uh, there's a study that I read kind of recently talking about control and people who feel less in control in their jobs are more depressed. Uh, and recently I've been thinking about in school like how in control are you really? You're in control of your essays. You control what to write about, essentially, or how to word your thoughts. So it doesn't feel like some big danger, like I was saying before. But again, like when you're learning things and it's like, this is the thing that is correct, you must learn it this way. You're like, I don't enjoy this <laughs> because it doesn't feel like I'm thinking for myself. And even sometimes, you know, connecting to emotion, even sometimes when you are thinking for yourself, you don't feel, you don't agree with the way that you feel, you feel that unease, and you want to feel something else. But it's that point, I think, which can, you know, last for a very long time or creep back up in different situations. That's a really good point. It's that thing, that point where you have to realize you either resign yourself and say, oh, I feel bad about this kind of stuff, you know, I can't get over it, and maybe you go deeper and deeper into the pit, or you, like, kind of have to aggressively, physically shift yourself and try and accept it and be like, look, I can't change this thing. This one thing or these things, I can't change them. So how can I look at it differently, and how can I go on and move from here? I mean, I think for so many years, dude, like, my... I think I was stuck in a bad place for a very long time because I felt my depression itself was very uh, inescapable and I had no control over it. Even whenever I was taking antidepressants and, you know, doing everything that I felt like I could be doing, I still ended up in a very depressed place. And then, you know, especially after I made after I made efforts to to change my situation and try to feel better. And, you know, it, some of it worked. Sometimes I felt like I made a little progress, but then, you know, years went by and I still felt very depressed. And then I, I guess it further affirmed this idea that I had that no matter what I did, I still still wouldn't be able to be happy and then I felt just like completely out of control like no matter what I did I was going to be depressed and I, I craved um, some relief and to feel happy 
And it wasn't until recently, I guess, that I I stopped looking at being depressed as something that I should avoid. And it changed my relationship to it. I still get depressed sometimes, but I really have found from experience that if you if you aren't constantly trying to avoid depression, if you aren't trying to do anything to to distract yourself from the emotion or to avoid feeling it at all, then you know like whenever it does come, you'll you'll have a different relationship to it and you will you know, you'll be like, oh, I'm a little bit depressed. That kind of sucks. But that will sort of be the end of it. You're not just going to be like, oh, fuck, I'm depressed. I have no control. I'm, And it's sort of like you, like you just spiral out of control. But I think recently, you know, since I just view it differently, it's it's less often and more tolerable. And I think it, it says so much about how much control we really do have over ourselves. I think uh, feeling a little depressed every now and again is something that is closely tied to being overwhelmed uh, or like tired or stressed out or just, you know, unhappy with the day or the week. And I think uh, that those times are, are times where you need to like give yourself a break you know, like the other day I was at home and I think I was just kind of feeling tired and stressed out from like uh, homework and stuff. So just like, not even in my bed, I just like... Nutted? No. Actually, I just... On like, command. <laughs> <laughs> like a six shooter. No, I just like laid on the floor and I didn't even go to sleep. I just like laid there for, for an hour or two. Because like I, I didn't want to do anything else, and you know I gave myself some time, and then I got up and started to do my stuff again, you know, and just I was I was being easy on myself. Well, yeah, dude. Like in counseling within the past few weeks, I don't remember which specific session it was, but we were talking about how, for me at least, I think there's a very strong relation between boredom and depression. I think I constantly keep myself busy and try to distract myself. Um, in order to not feel depressed, I'm like, oh, well, if I'm constantly doing things to keep my mind busy, to keep my my body active, I'm just always on the go, then I won't be able to feel depressed, you know? And then, you know, say I'm here at the apartment doing nothing, I don't have any plans later, um, and I'm just sitting there and I don't know what to do with myself, I, I guess, feel really depressed. And then he was like, well, I mean... You know, what if you just, you know, sat there and intentionally experienced boredom? You know, what, what would happen? And I was like, dude, what the fuck? Are you crazy, man? Why would I Why would I intentionally feel boredom? That's insane. And then I guess I, you know, I, I sat on that idea the next couple of days. I'm like, well, maybe he has a point, you know. And... I don't know, just like sitting there doing nothing but not having any, any resistance to it because I think I was so scared of feeling bored, so scared of doing nothing that I had so much resistance to it and it felt awful until I reframed what boredom really means to me. And I mean, like, you know, if you don't have a resistance to it, then, 
you know, it's just kind of sitting there doing nothing. And it's not inherently bad, and it's never going to last for that long. Unless you just, you know, don't really have anything that you're passionate about or don't have a job, you're not going to school, whatever. But usually it won't last that long because there will be something to take its place eventually. But yeah, I mean, if, if you're not always trying to be on the go doing something to distract yourself, then I think you will just be more at peace with your emotions, I would say. I think um, being bored opens you up to different experiences which are not ex necessarily trying to distract yourself, but can open you up to small, smaller things like appreciating um, things around you or just uh, small hobbies, you know, or just like, yeah, going for a walk, you know, if you're like, man, I've got nothing to do today. It's like, look up a park, go to the park. Now you got nothing to do at a park. But maybe it's nice. Maybe there's ducks. You can watch the ducks or something. And you're not, like, trying super hard to keep your mind occupied so you're actually present and experiencing the world around you. Yeah, I mean, I read something once saying that, like, your bedroom should really just be a place for you to, you know, like, relax when you're pretty tired and sleep. You shouldn't spend that much time there because it can make you feel like you're uh, cooped up and you know really it's it's not really that natural to humans I think and another thing is you know whenever you're you're not only judging the emotion itself or the experience itself but you end up judging yourself for for experiencing that emotion and you think that you did something wrong. So not only is it creating resistance to the specific to the specific emotion or experience, but you're also, you know, being really down on yourself for having that experience in the first place. And you just kind of feel like uh, there's nowhere to turn and you maybe just in that moment you've become something which is immovable. And, and I think I think feeling judgment towards yourself is the heart of resignation. Because with acceptance, it's like you're accepting the emotion, you're accepting that it's natural, you're accepting that it's something that happened to you, and it happened to you, so you might as well just accept it, and that's the way things are. And you, you're at peace with it. But resignation, it's like... I felt that emotion, it was awful, I can't do anything about it, and I suck for experiencing it in the first place, why am I like this? And then, boom, resignation. Boom. Resigned. Yesterday I was in traffic for a long time. In this wonderful city that we live in, you know, I was coming home from school and I was in traffic for maybe an hour and ten. <laughs> it's like, it's this awesome city we live in, but everybody else thinks that. So everybody moves here and it's fucking crowded as shit. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was, I was going through all sorts of thinking phases, going through traffic. Like, Dude, it's the weirdest thing. Like sitting in traffic, I think, like you said, it's just like this cycle. Like I can get in the car, feel good. And then, like, 20 minutes of sitting in traffic, I'm like, why is the world this way? Why do I exist? And then by the time I get to my destination, I'm like, 
I've like worked myself out of that line of thinking. It, it sort of makes me feel powerful in, in the way that I can uh, that I can really uh, formulate my thoughts and how malleable my my mood really is. Well, that's the time I think when you're bored, you know, and and yeah, because I mean, in traffic, like you, you're definitely bored. I mean, you can listen to some good music, like you can listen to NPR, or whatever. But you know, in reality, you're sitting in the car to get to somewhere that you want to go, but you don't want to actually be in the car. If you could snap and be at the destination uh, immediately, then you would do that in a heartbeat. And you know, I think it's a a good metaphor for just feeling. You know, like not much is going on in your life. Lost in translation, dude. Lost in translation. You're just kind of like sitting there, you know. And so, like, I, as of recent and in that moment, that long moment, I, you know, was kind of going in and out of like myself and and trying to look for the interesting things on the road or in the cars around me, you know, to try and keep kind of keep myself occupied so that I'm not just like blankly staring at the car in front of me um but larger than that i mean like i was kind of disassoci- disassociating in a way and like yeah i'm thinking of myself as a weird being in a car on the road and the highway with all these other cars and- i feel like no matter how well i've been doing with my um i guess being present and making making steps to being a less dissociated person. I feel like no matter what, if I'm driving in the car, I'm probably disconnected or like driving in the car, it's just really hard not to be dissociated. But I think because it's so uh, relatively stationary and you're just not doing much, it can open you up to just having all these thoughts that you wouldn't have had anyways and thereby appreciating in a way like, what's going on around you and being aware in a sense. I mean, usually whenever people drive, it's, I'd say whenever you're driving, you're most often driving to places that you drive on a very regular basis, like to work, to school, to places that you're very used to driving to. And the routes that you take are just, you know, you're doing it by memory. You're on auto autopilot, basically. So I think that's why it's a very cool idea. Or um, I th- I think it it would be very productive for somebody to make it a point to just go on drives with friends or by yourself, whatever, and just drive like somewhere new, drive somewhere cool with the the scenery, enjoyable, you know. And just because I think driving can actually be a very enjoyable thing, but usually whenever we are driving, it's to get to a destination that we're very used to driving to. So it just sort of feels like something that we always do, not very productive at all. And I think that's why it's so easy to dissociate whenever you're driving. So, I mean, yeah, like I've actually talked to somebody pretty recently about how sometimes they just, you know, get a couple friends together and they just go on a drive. They talk to each other, you know, check in with, check in with uh, with one another and like late night drives it's it can be really enjoyable I mean it's a good avenue for talking to people because you can't leave the room right you know you're in a metal box <laughs> on the road. hurling towards the sun <laughs> yeah life is meaningless and this is a cold dead existence no but uh, you know 
there's all these times in your life where I think um, there's an easy avenue to bring yourself, if you're alone, into a state of higher consciousness, you know, and that might sound pretty deep, but I think what that just means is it can be a route and a moment for deliberating in your head over the th- maybe the things that are going on in your life right now, or just the things that the things that are always present, the physical matter in the world and the physical space of your body and how that feels and so I mean like so by like you see state of higher consciousness, do you just mean like more present or more aware? I think I mean more present but also less present at the same time. If you see what I mean. Because I said I was kind of disassociating Mm -hmm. and going away from my regular day-to-day, like, ugh, traffic, am I right? It's like, well, for one, you can't do anything about it. You know, you you can sit there for the full hour and 20 minutes like, man, I just hate this traffic. I just want to get home. Or you can use that time to actually, like, think about stuff, you know, and well, just I mean, like chill out. Today in counseling, we're actually talking about this concept of congruence. And I think that can mean a few different things. But in the sense that we were talking about it, I think it sort of meant congruence between your mind and your body. So, I mean, like, you know, dis- dissociation is essentially your, your thoughts are somewhere else. You feel like you're outside of your body and um, usually a negative sense but congruence is like your your mind and your body are connected, but you're also doing something intentionally. And, you know, like it, to put it into perspective, I, I brought up the concept whenever I was talking about how it work, you know, whenever I'm doing my job, I feel like I'm doing, I'm doing a good job. Everything is adding up. I deal with money and numbers and it's sort of satisfying because it's like if I count a till and it has the correct amount of money in it, I put it into the computer, I recount the till, put it over there, boom, boom, boom. I feel full of purpose. I feel like I'm good at it. I feel in the zone. I'm not in my head. Like Usually my, my hardest struggle is being super in my head. And not being able to focus on the task at hand because I'm just like so lost in my thought. And usually the thoughts are very negative. But, you know, at work, whenever I'm doing my thing, I don't really have intrusive thoughts. I'm not super in my head. And that's not something that I'm really used to because I think my entire life I've been a very obsessive person that's always lost in in their head, you know. Well, what you're describing is the state of flow that they're doing more research on these days. And, yeah, I've, I've, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of realizing that this state of flow is like one of the most powerful human abilities. To be fully invested in something, you know, I think I definitely used to feel it when I was on a swim team. And after a while, it's robotic. You're not really thinking about much. You're just in it. You're making sure that you're doing things right, but it becomes very natural and fluid, you know. And it's different... It's different than being on autopilot. Like, it's almost like you're doing something that you know you're used to, but you're not just doing it without thinking. It's like it takes focus. You still gotta, you still gotta make effort to to get things right. 
and it just yeah, it just feels like you're doing something that you were meant to be doing. You're enjoying it um, in a sense. It's like when you're reading a book and someone tries to start talking to you, or it's really loud in the room, and you're, you're just like, I'm like fucking reading. You're like, man, what the fuck? Like, and that's a thing that. You know, in recent years, at least, I haven't really experienced whenever reading, and it really, uh, it's really unfortunate. I, I think in, in high school, there was, there was times whenever I was reading, and I would just read for hours, and I was like, this book is good, and I'm really enjoying this, because I never, it wasn't very often that I would just, like, sit down and read for long periods of time, so whenever I did sit down and read for a while and it just felt right I would keep on going because I do like reading but it doesn't always feel natural for me my mind is always other places and it's hard for me to focus on it so whenever I do sit down and I have an experience wherever I'm reading and it feels natural and I feel like um, I want to keep reading I just I take advantage of it and I keep on going I think uh, it can be applied to driving as well because I feel like um you know, it is more like a literal autopilot, but you can get into a sense of flow with driving where you, you know, like you're saying, you have to get to the place and maybe you know the way like the back of your hand, but like. And I think it will be nice next month, you know, whenever we're driving to Wyoming. Yeah, I think so. It'll be a lot of new places. To a lot see. of new places. Like so you're we'll, going to be even more focused. We won't really know what the fuck we're doing. So we're just like, we're done for the experience, you know, we're. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, like, you can be on autopilot while driving, but then maybe you or somebody else on the road just, like, does a maneuver you weren't expecting. And I think a lot of the time, for me, uh, it causes, you know, it causes me to get annoyed, and I reflect on that annoyance, and I'm like, you know, it really doesn't matter that much, but it's kind of like this person has interrupted my day. And it's it's so it's honestly so weird on on these massive highways, you know, because like it's not really another person; it's it's a car with another car. But you rec- recognize that like it's a living machine because it's piloted, and uh, you know you can just get so frustrated, you know. And I think a lot of time you see older people get so frustrated with with other drivers on the road and you're just like, I mean, hey, like, unless it's a crash, you know, there's not much you can do. If they made you miss your turn, that's that's reason to be like, ah, I missed my turn because of that guy. But he got home because of you. I don't know. I think one of the coolest things about just being really in touch with your emotions and sort of feeling less bothered by other people's actions is you know like yeah you'll be driving or just like in public and you see somebody very upset about something and you look at them and you're just like dude like what's wrong do you need to do you need to talk like why are you so upset over something that you don't need to be upset over and for me you know working in customer service especially since like I'm at the fucking services desk whenever somebody has a complaint or like is upset about something they look up and see the services sign and they're like hey I'm gonna go here and yell at them so I think from experience I'm just like whenever somebody's really yelling at me and you know don't get me wrong sometimes it really does get to me and I'm like that person just yelled at me and I'm hurt that hurt my feelings and I'm a little upset now but, you know, on a good day, 
whenever I feel really in tune with my own emotions and I'm, you know, having a good day, I'm at peace, I am also able to kind of bounce back from things like that. And I end up just feeling like, man, they were like really upset. And it sort of just makes me wonder whether they're always upset or if there was something that got to them and it just like compounded on everything else going on and they just wanted to blow up on somebody. Um, but uh, yeah, it just it really makes me wonder how people get so upset over some things. You know, to me, um, I think as a man um, in the, with a masculine point of view and how we are kind of conditioned or is it's believed that we live in a, a sphere of like, you know, you should accept your emotions in a way that is silent and stoic. You know, so sometimes I kind of have like a... a slight uh, struggle with with dealing with, with things like that in my life that annoyed me or, or caused me some trouble. And, you know, someone might ask, you know, oh, what's up? And I feel the need to, to keep it on the inside because it kind of feels like that is a way of dealing with it. Like, Well, dude, something I would say, though, is I think something that's really helped me in recent years is completely um i guess pushing out the the ideals of masculinity and like i I sort of i mean obviously i identify as a man and you know there are things that i do because i'm a man but i like to think of myself or i like to think of everybody as sort of you know, genderless in a way, not in every way, definitely, because I mean, obviously, you know me and you know how I view things. But at the same time, I think, you know, masculinity can be so toxic. And I think it teaches a lot of a lot of men to sort of bottle things up and not be super emotional because it's inherently feminine. But for me, it's like, I think, as years have gone by, and I've become more emotional it's helped me you know just be more content and have like a larger sense of well-being there's a lot of social cues i think when especially when when a man is being more emotional than than normal and and other men are like uncomfortable by it yeah and like that whenever people are uncomfortable by me expressing my emotion it makes me uncomfortable and i'm like dude why are you so insecure? Why do you, why are you bothered by me expressing my emotion? Why do you think that it's inherently feminine? Like, I think, I mean, I've heard it so many times, but I think it really does speak a lot of truth whenever somebody says the reason, um, the reason why any man would be uncomfortable with some, another man acting feminine or more emotional, whatever, um, making them uncomfortable, it means that they're probably just not very secure in their masculinity. Yeah, and, like, maybe they just don't know how to deal with their emotions. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, and also that people say that like, if a man is okay with, like, hugging another man, showing love to another man, it means that they're probably just very secure in their masculinity, very secure in their sexuality. If, like, a straight man is being uh, loving with another straight man, 
means that they just don't give a fuck, really. They're very secure in uh, their own sexuality. They don't care what other people think. And they're not worried about, you know, showing love to another man. They're not worried about them. They're not worried about that making them more feminine or or gay or whatever, you know. It's like... I think that's the main thing. It, they do feel secure, but it's not a secureness of uh, confidence necessarily. It's just a secureness of, like you said, not really caring and just being really chill. And And I mean, another thing is like, you know, if you're raised to sort of believe that men should keep their feelings on the inside or like men should be any specific way. And I think it has a lot to do with like if your father is that way. And I think me and you both sort of have dads that are more... Uh, Stayed. Like keep your feelings on the inside, you know. Um, and I think it's it makes it more difficult to to make your way away from, from that, you know? But at the same time, I think it's... Uh... I mean, I think it's probably not all bad. There's probably a good amount of feelings and situations where, where being that way can be beneficial. Like in dealing with... Um, to an extent, yeah. Like in dealing with a high-stress situation. If you're really showing your emotions, it can kind of throw things off sometimes, I think. Just like, you know, dissociation starts off as a healthy coping mechanism that really helps. But then after a while, it's like, dude, this is inhibiting me from experiencing anything at all. I'm not even, I'm not even experiencing this present moment. Well, you know, like... Um... So I, mean, like, I feel like all coping <clears throat> mechanisms can be beneficial in moderation, or at least at first. And that's why they're coping mechanisms in the first place. But most of them end up being something negative later on. Well, it's interesting that you say, like, disassociation maybe for you is tied to not experiencing things, but for me it, it is for experiencing things that are out with myself. Um, maybe things that I can't relate to that well. So, like, when I'm in the city and maybe I'm walking or I'm in traffic or, or um, I'm sitting down somewhere, it's looking at all the things around me and taking them into account as part of a moving world and the larger universe that helps me, that, that is a feeling of, of going with, out with myself because I'm focusing so intently on maybe this interaction between two other people or two dogs. I was looking at two dogs the other day, you know, in the water with a, with a big stick and they were going back and forth. And in that moment, I'm not me. I I am that moment over there. Or it's, I mean, and I think we've that talked can so be much really about interesting and positive for me. We've talked so much about the self and like your sense of self. I think it's sort of a cool concept to think that if you are truly observing an experience outside of yourself, you're not really thinking about the self at all. You're not. Yeah, you're, you're almost... It's a loss of ego in that moment, even if it's very short, and that, that reflects meditation. It's a, it's a kind of flow, it's a kind of focus, I think. I never really thought about it that way either. It's a certain kind of peace where you, you don't have to worry about your own thoughts or yourself. You're just... I've never thought of that as dissociation. 
I've always thought of dissociation as just like, you know, the disconnect from mind and body and you're so lost in your thoughts that you're not actually experiencing um, the, the present moment. But yeah, I, I think it could actually be a very cool thing to consider. I think situational, yeah, situational disassociation is, uh, for me, it's, you know, what I'm describing when I look at different things in my life that, you know, small things or interactions that I find interesting. For me, that's one of the most enjoyable parts of all life. I think that's why I like movies so much, just because yeah, it's I was gonna, something you can watch that isn't you. And I was going to say you don't need to try. today in counseling, we were actually talking about like TV and movies and stuff like that. And um, the, I think the, the main goal of television and movies is not only for entertainment, but it's also like an escape. If the director or the actors are doing their job, then... You know, ideally, whenever you watch that film or you watch that that TV show, you will feel like you are living through them. You're experiencing that that plot or whatever. And we were talking about that that concept of feeling like you are you are living what is in the TV show or the movie. And because um, we were talking about specifically the emotion of just like I feeling calm you know and he was like just as sort of a thought experiment he was like you know well if, if you are watching a, a tv show or a movie and it's a very sad movie or a stressful movie say you are in that state where you are completely um invested and you are like feeling the emotions that the, the the plot is presenting or the actor is presenting to you are you still calm you know is, is your body still calm or like is your mind calm if you are living through them and i was like i don't know i mean i feel like if you aren't if your thoughts aren't going wild if you are just viewing the the movie and you feel sad or you feel stressed out because of what you're viewing because you you feel like you're in the, the the movie you're experiencing it through them i mean my my experience of calmness is usually associated with the absence of um my thoughts going crazy i think when it comes to things that are beyond your control like like the plot of a movie or or small interactions in your life that you're just watching. It'll make you feel emotion, but to what extent? It goes beyond acceptance because with the actions of others, um, maybe later you might be thinking of, of, of accepting how you feel about what is going on or what is happening. Um, but with a movie or with an interaction that you're watching, you have no control over it really, unless it directly involves you. So it doesn't matter if you accept it. And so I think that is a res resignation of the moment. It's a resignation of the screen if you're watching film. And, yeah, you're, you're pulled into it and you're like, what's going to happen next? I have no like, idea. The I reason, can't control it. The reason it's such an escape is because, you know, you're viewing it and it's almost like you're experiencing it firsthand, but you know that you have no control of the situation because it's, 
something that you're viewing. It has nothing to do with your own life, even if you can relate to certain aspects of it. And that's why, you know, some of the most, that's why we have horror films and things like that, where it's like not necessarily things that you would choose to do. And you're forced to watch it, but you enjoy being forced to watch it. You know, like, uh, like, ultra-violence in films that's been present for about 50 years now. Um, morbid curiosity in humans, like, we, we eat that shit up. We're like, oh my god, like, this is horrible. Let me see more of it, you know? Because it's something that is exciting, and it takes you out of your life. But it's also just something that you can not feel morally uh, conflicted over, I think. Uh, and you can just uh, relax can relax with the, the flow of the tide. Yeah, and I, I think that's a good a good way to bring acceptance into perspective. So it's like, you know, you're living your life and you have control over some things and the things that you do have control over, I mean you're going to you're going to take action and you're going to try to obtain your desires and experience joy, experience things that, you know, give you pleasure, but also accepting the things that go on around you and accepting the things that you feel and not having any resistance to it. I think accepting um, plays, it has a dance with realization. Uh, and for me, existential realization is a big part of acceptance because it can help me to accept the more difficult things in my life because I, because I can come to realize that they are smaller than myself um, and basically, yeah, basically just not as important as the, the weight of my world if I choose to reflect upon my place in the world and how um, how truly expansive the universe in my world is. Uh, you will you will always be trapped within your own world because you are you and you can't jump to somebody else, you know, into their brain. But to reflect upon how, you know, some, one way to put it is how minuscule you are can really make you feel separate from uh, more human pitfalls, I think, emotional pitfalls. And I think a good way to accept, accept the weight of things, accept the uh, uncontrollable nature of some things, things that are out of your control, and also accept the way that you feel in your emotions is meditation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as we've talked about before, there's, there's different types of meditation. There is, um, I never knew this, but I learned today. Well, I learned today that the, the meditation that I do um, here and there is called single point meditation. That's where you're closing your eyes, you're sitting down, you're breathing, and you're trying to focus on the breathing not the thoughts that are in your head. Mm -hmm. It's called single point. Um, but there's many other types of meditation in life, like we've been talking about with, I think, meditation of the moment. 
tied to disassociation uh, of a positive kind. Um, accepting and resigning yourself to what's going on and what's in front of you. Um, meditation is a very broad term. I think there's meditation of thought where you might catch yourself thinking, oh, that was a judgmental thought, or I don't want to think about something in that way. I shouldn't, uh, I shouldn't uh, be so brash. And so you can reflect and meditate upon how, on why you thought that and why you felt that way, which, you know, a lot of the time you're not going to come to an easy answer. And I think that's part of the perpetual cycle of um, the evolution of, of thought and, and the mind. Until you, until you come to accept that this is just the way I am, I just happen to think about things this way because of how I was brought up and how I tend to think. And I think acceptance has so much to do with just self-awareness and understanding why emotions came to be, where like where they're stemming from, and then every now and then you'll you'll just like this is the way that I feel, and there's no reason to it. There's nothing that led to this emotion. I'm just feeling a random emotion, but I accept it anyway. Another aspect is I think being open to accepting that things will almost always change for you and around you and for others, which will affect you. Um, and you can change as well. You can change the way that you think about things if you find that it brings negatives into your life. If, if you feel that uh, because of the way that you're interacting with different things in your world is is bringing ruin upon you or others and you realize that and you want to stop it you have the power to change um, either by influence of new knowledge or experience yeah because acceptance doesn't always include um, yeah acceptance doesn't always include um, you not acting or just like um, choosing not to do anything about the emotion or anything about the um, the situation that you're in because you still should act on it if you choose that that is the best course of action but you're accepting that it happened in the first place and you're accepting that you felt that way in the first place and like I said you know earlier life is unpredictable and you might have to make quick decisions and you won't you won't have time to accept something until a little bit after the event or a while after. It might take a long, long time. Uh, you might never truly know why you decided to do a certain thing. But you did it for a reason. Maybe it was because you felt threatened. Not in the sense of life or death, but in yeah, social and that's, sense. And that's why it's good to understand emotions and be um, and be aware of how you feel. Acknowledge your emotions, and it leads to a greater understanding of why you do the things that you do, and it will help you truly accept um, accept your behaviors and accept the the motivators of those behaviors, which are um, your emotions, because you, you act uh, 
in response to emotion and inclinations. And then I, I might even argue that when you truly feel you've, you've done enough of that, or maybe still on the journey, that you can resign yourself to yourself. You'd be like, well, this is who I am. I'm comfortable with that. And that's like a new form of relaxation where you're just like sitting back and you're like, I know how I feel about things. Ain't much else I can do, partner. But is it acceptance? I think resigning resigning to yourself as acceptance of of your being. Then would it truly be resigning or would you just say that you're just accepting that there's nothing you can do in this situation and you're accepting those things for what they are and, think, you're, and, uh, and you're choosing to relax? I think you can resign yourself um, to yourself within a moment and so you know that this is the way that I act now at this time but you can accept that you might feel different tomorrow yeah I mean I think acceptance includes the the fact that emotions are temporary and you can accept that you're feeling depressed today but you can fully expect to feel differently tomorrow and you're just sort of open for the experience and emotions come and go and you'll be okay. And, you know, you would like to think that understanding more of your emotions and why you feel them and, and why you act the way you do would allow you to maintain more control emotionally in your life uh, despite the things that happen to you. And I think there will always be times in your life when you are unable to really like be relaxed all the time because some things will throw you off. But understanding your emotions more clearly, I think genuinely really can help you to um, size things up and Maybe just be okay with not immediately judging things. I think it can open you up to an avenue of openness, but um, gently, so that you're not uh, so quick to judge. I think that's a good place to call it for today, dude. Okay. Let's go get some food. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Tasty. Mm-mm. Okay. Adios. Laters. Alligators. Later, laters. Mm-hmm. <laughs>